Hi everybody, I'm Sal, and you're listening to the Elseworlds Exchange, brought to you by Comic Pop. Go to comicpop.net for all your YouTube comic book needs. This episode in particular is brought to you by Loot Crate. Go to lootcrate.com slash comicpop, use the promo code TVLittleHouse, and you can save 10% on your own Loot Crate of your own monthly boxes. You don't know what's in them, but they're all really cool. This year, they're really, really stepping up their game. There's a few items, but they're all of high quality, and they're really fun. You've heard the name, now get your own. Go to lootcrate.com slash comicpop, save 10% by using the promo code TVLittleHouse. Alright, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes a friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police. What a crusade of the law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal. And I am Joel. We're gonna Thank be talking... you for having me again. Oh, of course. Welcome to the show, man. We're going to be talking today about great movie sequels, or as I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it Elseworlds Exchange Presents Great Movie Sequels, a.k.a. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back episode. That's because fair. Because we know Empire Strikes Back is the best movie sequel. We know that it's fantastic. It's also technically part of a saga, so I don't really call it a sequel. But mm. anytime anybody's like, what's the best movie sequel? You're like, Empire. But for me, it's like, if it doesn't really stand on its own, you need the previous one and you need it's another true. one. You can't end like the whole Star Wars saga on Empire. It is the middle part of a trilogy. It has no real beginning and no real end is the thing. Exactly. So you got that going for you. Um, but anyway, having said that, we're going to call this the Empire Strikes Back show in as much as we're not going to explain why Empire is the best movie scene. We know that Empire's great. Even if you don't like Star Wars, Empire's great. great. And everything we consider Star Wars, all the most quotable shit almost, comes from Empire. Yes. A lot of, like, everything, all the things that you like about it, uh, while they're, you know what, it just built upon it. It really did a great job of world building and, and just taking what they did before and running with it. Uh, which is what will segue into what I consider to be one of the best movie sequels of all time, which also just celebrated its 30th anniversary the other day, mm -hmm. and that is James Cameron's Aliens. James Cameron, the master of the good sequel. Yeah, dude knows how to make a good sequel, which is ironic given that he wants to make several sequels of Avatar, yeah. and I don't want to see any of them. That's very worrisome. Or, you know, we could be wrong. Maybe we could go into that Avatar 2, and it's fucking amazing. Uh, there's nothing about that universe that I give a shit about. It's true. It's all very boilerplate. And no character in that movie series was standout or interesting enough for me to care. Like, Jake Sully, I don't care about. Natiri, no thank you. Sigourney Weaver's a tree. I don't care about any of this shit. <laughs> Sigourney like, Weaver, I forgot that's how it ended. I just don't care about any of those characters. Nothing was like, strong enough for me to care. But, like, but back about 30 years ago, a motherfucker knew how to make, knew how to make a sequel. Uh, yep. And what's amazing is, you know, you watch Alien, it's a fantastic horror movie. It's a oh, perfect yes. science fiction movie. It is a perfect science fiction movie in that it makes no no attempt to make it exciting for you. Oh yes, it's first, very dry, very slow burn. First 40 minutes are just men in suits that you can't see the faces of walking around Giger designs. You know, you're just like, what What am I looking at? And then, and oh boy, does it build a mood for when the yeah. shit starts popping now, off. That's, we're talking about Alien, but like the... Uh, the um the director's cut is even more boring, <laughs> but if you like that kind of movie, then it's even better. Because as, uh, as Mr. Shot. Plinkett said, I like my science fiction dry and boring. Yeah, it's true. He's he's not wrong, unless it's like Oblivion, and then it's like, all right, this needs to this needs to pick up. Then the, you don't you have you haven't earned this much boring in your in your science fiction mm. movie. I liked Oblivion, but 
there's some, there's some, it, it drags a little bit. Um, but yeah, so Aliens is a perfect sequel in that. So, okay, like before we do that, like, uh, Joel, what is, what's your criteria for a great sequel, for mm. a great movie sequel? And before you start, while you gather your thoughts, mm-hmm. we're not going to do comic book movie sequels. Oh, we're not. That's a whole other show. That's a whole show, because I was making a list, and I'm like, these well, are all comic book movies. Well, you torpedoed half my list, but it's nice to know it'll that keep we got it, another episode. It'll, it'll, it's another episode, and it'll keep it, it'll keep the conversation quick because it's, tr- it's true. Because if we do comic book movies, that's going to start a whole another conversation. You're right. Let's keep this to just non comic book. Exactly. Movies. We can still talk about science fiction and geek culture con- like movies. This is an Elseworlds exchange. We're going to talk about geek culture and stuff. So, uh, Joel, what's your criteria for a great movie sequel, just in Ooh. general? Ooh, that's a good, good question. I don't think I gave it much thought until you just asked oh, okay. it right now. I haven't I, either, So, I'm, but I, I thought it makes sense. Yeah. A sequel should feel organic. Mm-hmm. It should build upon what came before. Or if not, then it should take what we've already seen and do it in a completely different direction. Like, you know, completely go off into space, you know, yeah. go somewhere different with it than the first one did. The worst kinds of sequels are the we just did it the same but different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it needs to be war- warranted. I think mm-hmm. that warranted or earned are the key words for a good movie sequel. You need to have the movie be justified it can't like you, you can make it a cash grab that we've they've proven you can make good things out of cash grabs while you might say that like civil war the comic book was really out of character for a lot of those people and it was just kind of weird and like not a great story the and obviously a cash grab it really defined the marvel universe for a long time it oh, yeah. actually oh, yeah. affected long-lasting change which is it's, kind of it's must read if you're a completionist exactly so uh the, the lego movie obviously a cash oh, grab God, but yes. turned into a legitimately organic flick with a meta text making fun of cash grab movies yes uh so you know commercialism is not necessarily a bad thing. Well, a sign of a bad thing. Or which, a sign which is of, why, yeah. and the chat's already brought it up, why I'm a huge fan of 22 Jump Street. Right. A comedy sequel that makes its entire thesis mocking the ridiculousness of a 22 Jump Street sequel it's to the true. point where Ice Cube even says, just do the same thing but different. Just do what you did in the last movie yep. and we'll give you more money and make it more expensive even if it doesn't warrant being more expensive. That's, I mean, like, I, I appreciate that. Because I didn't see 21 Jump Street because I was like, I'm not watching another friggin' movie that's a basis for, a, like, that's from an old TV property. Right. I was just not interested in getting in, especially because I, I don't find, I don't see any charisma in Channing Tatum, but I've heard that the dude is fun and interesting. It's, and It's the best he's ever been. He should be a comedy actor. He should never have tried to do serious drama. Yeah. He's much funnier than he is. Well, good for him. I mean, like, I, I've, I've heard enough good things about 21 Jump Street and 22 by that extension, so I mm. will check them out eventually, uh, as opposed the, to it, never wanting to see them. If you love metatextual commentary in your comedy films, that's exactly what it is, because even the first one mocks the ridiculousness of why would anyone ever want to remake 21 Jump Street. It was bad before. Why are we doing exactly. it again? Exactly. It wasn't really the purest product to begin with. But uh... that's, that's the joke they run with, man. They run with that through the whole thing, and they're continually, you know, nudging and winking, but it never gets annoying. Is the right. Thing. They, they, yeah, I assume they stick to the plot for a little, like, for enough 
They do, actually. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you need to have it be something where you... The, I think another thing is, in the first movie, the characters have to be in a place by the end of the film mm. where you want to know what happens to them. Yes. Um, so it, with that regard, you know, obviously with Alien, there's only one character left by the mm. end of the movie. Spoilers for Alien. Uh, but... Uh, Sigourney, like, by by the time, by the end of Alien, you're like Ripley is changed. Ripley is different. Ripley is in a is in a new place. Where will she end up? And then you see Aliens, and not only do we get to a, a, like get into a really interesting character study of Ripley, but we really separate her from her previous existence. We said it. I think seventy years, seventy two years. I remember if it's fifty two or seventy two years in the future, um, but it's. It's far in the future, and uh, far enough where her daughter's dead, her family's gone, there's nothing yeah. left for her. And then Jim Cameron comes in, a very different director from Russell, uh, from uh, from Ridley Scott. Oh yes. And made you know, whereas the first one was first one was in 57 years. Thank you. It was a uh, it was an atmospheric horror movie slash sci-fi flick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the second one is an action movie. Oh yes. I mean, basically ground zero for the space marine archetype oh, comes yeah. from that movie like it's the one there'd be no halo and no master chief if no. not for alien that's true um you also probably would not have doom no no you wouldn't you wouldn't have like first person shooters the way that they started out quake stuff like that that movie is still casting such a shadow even to this day yeah Aliens is the one everyone points at when they like aliens. You know, like, <laughs> why people think xenomorphs are cool. Why people think that space marines are cool. Why they exactly. want to see these kinds of movies. It's because they point at aliens and say, dude made this on a interestingly, like, restrictive budget. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, and pulled out every trick in the book. We got enough money for, like, for four pods. But we need eight pods. Will you have money for four? Put a <laughs> mirror down. And make it eight pods, and that's what he does in that scene where like the pods open up when like the when when the the marines wake up. There's a marine. There's a there's a mirror at the end of like three or four pods, and you're just like, that's Cameron being like, gotta make gotta make this work, and I don't have the money. Boom, know how to do this. So endlessly quotable too, all these years later, which yeah. is another mark of a good sequel. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, timelessness in your sequels is, oh, is, yes. is essential. Um, I want to skip around. I don't want to just say like James Cameron, James Cameron, James Cameron. Another one that is another earned sequel that you was, was is part of a saga, but you kind of didn't know it at the time is Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, yet again, held up as one of those things where it's like, look, even if you don't like Star Trek, you'll probably find something to like about Wrath of Khan. Yeah, uh, and it's what's funny is the things that you'll like are inherently Star Trekky. You know, yeah. like, it's about, it, it's a character study of Kirk and his feeling of mortality and age. And, it, you know, if you like subtext in your action movie sequels, then you're oh, going to like yeah. it. Uh, one of the best on-screen villains of all time, Ricardo Montalban yep. as Khan in his great white whale Moby Dick story. And never meets kirk in person like never fights him wonderful hand -hand. by Wonderfully the way restrained they could never do that nowadays no they couldn't in fact, they, they didn't they tried and they didn't do it they were like ah, i don't know how to do it i don't know people won't come see that movie they you know i, I remember seeing chris pine made a quote uh when he was making beyond and he was like 
You can't make a Star Trek movie the way they used to anymore. There have to be dirt bikes and explosions. Oh, we're well aware of that, Mr. Bond. Yeah, and I'm like, shut the fuck up. You bland, bored actor, you. Mm -hmm. That said, I don't mind Pine as Kirk. He seems to have, like, finally come into his own. The first one, he was like, I'm Indiana Jones! And then the <laughs> second one, he was like, I'm kind of Kirky. Like, I'm getting there. And then the third one, they finally found their edge, and it's sad that this is the least successful one. <laughs> I know. I, I will say, though, he's the perfect casting, though, for Steve Trevor, though, for Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. They are both the same bland Mayo man. He mm -hmm. is the perfect casting for that. He leaves no strong impression whatsoever, much like Steve Trevor. True, and you know what? We can kill him with age, you know, like we'll move on from him. But uh, I like that he's kind of a placeholder actor that at least tries or at least yeah. like works char charismatically a little bit. Unlike, he's not a Sam Worthington or a Jai Court. He is neither of those people who I hate. Who I would love to see their careers just burn. I think uh, Sam Worthington's is over, but like... What was the last time you heard about him? Exactly, but thankfully J uh, Jai Courtney found uh, a role in, Boomer in Captain Boomerang and moved on. Yeah. But uh, I love... I, I actually avoided Wrath of Khan for a long time. I was, I, I was... I'm a late comer to the Star Trek fandom. And, uh, and I'm a spotty Star Trek fan at best. Like, I know the stuff, but, like, I haven't actually sat down and, and mainlined all the episodes. Weirdly enough, my dad is a bigger Star Trek fan than me, and he doesn't even like nerdy shit. His older brother made him watch the show <laughs> so he can, like, recite episodes. Like, God, I hate that show, yeah. but I know everything about Tribbles, though. Exactly. Uh, I, I dug Star Trek afterwards like when i got older for me i was always more of a star wars guy mm. i'm like these guys just stand around and talk to each other this is lame fire us fire a weapon Worf always wants to fire weapons why don't you let him <laughs> uh and then later on as like when i got more like into star into science fiction and nerd culture the mm. card really spoke to me and i was like okay i'm in uh so i love tng the movies are horrible but whatever and then uh, and i was always kind of i always had a nostalgic attraction to star trek movies like the first yeah and i don't know why because i never watched the show i didn't like the original series that it was hokey and old and kind of silly and then suddenly i like i kept seeing the fourth one which is the whales one and mm. loved it and i'm like why do i love this so much and i loved the interplay between the characters which is what informed me about my desire to see like ensembles because when it's strong it's strong man yeah when it works even if you're not a fan or you're out or an outsider you you want to be in on the joke, and so I did. I became one. First Contact is a fine Star Trek or TNG flick. It's fine. It's not great. I would prefer to watch one, two, four, five, and six because even five, which everyone says is awful, I kind of dig a little bit. Anyway. It's not as disappointing as my son. Yeah, my son. This is the <laughs> stupidest movie ever made. Uh, but yeah, I love Wrath of Khan. I just thought it was really clever, and I'm like, cool. And it's not really part of a saga. Like, you could say that is Two Towers a great sequel, but, like, you know where it's going. It's, it's not... part of a bigger, yeah. Yeah, if, if, if all things were created equal and everybody got an unlimited budget, then, twin, then, then Two Towers was inevitable. I almost put Two Towers on there, but ended up not doing it. I just put Lord of the Rings just as a as yeah. a don't forget that it exists, but it's part of a saga, and that's the thing. We're talking about sequels. These are movies where it's like we made what we made. We I almost want to say like here's how we did it. We made a movie. Here it is, 
everyone likes it. And we thought to ourselves, is there a story to tell? Is there more story? Where they mm. kind of go back and look at it and go like, can we tell more story? And then come up with something really good and then do it. You know? Uh, I, uh, I would say uh, I ran into a similar issue with the Pirates movies. I almost put uh, the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie ugh. in there. But then I'm like, mm, but you know what? That was also the beginning of the end of it, though, wasn't it? Even yeah. though I really like that second one. Knowing that they didn't pay off any of that in the third movie almost makes me like, ah, if only I knew. Yeah, I'm not a huge... As it turns out, I am not a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean because I really? loved the first one. Me and too. none of the other ones. Really, see, I like uh, Dead Man's Chest that second one. I thought it had a lot of cool shit going. It was the bigger, louder school of sequel making. For me, it felt kind of... It felt like the beginnings of the tumblerification of everything. You think so? Like, that moment where Jack Sparrow takes, like, he's like, I've got a jar of dirt. I was like, this is, you're trying to meme this movie. It's it's when it went from, man, Jack Sparrow, what a cool supporting character in a story about Orlando Bloom and this other lady, to, okay, now he's the main character, though, because he's what we're going to sell everything off the back of. And they kept, like, they imply more about, like, okay, like, it's, Jack Sparrow's a fun character, and part of his fun is that he is a pirate and a scumbag, but the, deep down there's some softness to him. That's the that's what you get he, from the first one. He's the Han Solo of the pirate series, yes. is what he is. And then in the second one, they're like, or maybe he's just a shithead. Yeah. And you're like, fuck you. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, We've already that's... established he has a soft spot. He's literally risked his life for these people that, all, that, like, that he's now betraying whatever he is clearly not 10 steps ahead of everybody else like yeah those movies unfortunately kind of rolled back the curtain a little bit on the mystique and fun and whimsy of the first one yeah they did so i mean like that's why i'm like oh yeah it's it the second one is still far better than the third oh, and way yeah. better than the fourth that fourth one is goddamn on i didn't even bother i it's, i saw the third one i was like what am i even doing it's it, on stranger tides is totally the yep we're out of ideas they that's even got terrible. ian mcshane to play blackbeard and I they saw. managed to make that horrible that sucks because that's an that's an idea like if you made if you made isolated pirates movies i think that they would work successfully i think that's that, what they should have been they should have been standalone everyone yeah they should have been indiana jones movies and uh so with that in mind indiana jones raiders of the lost ark is perfect temple of doom is much maligned and technically it's my a favorite sequel. i'm not the biggest fan but in a world where crystal skull exists it is my third favorite indiana jones movie which is pretty good yeah which is where it always was <laughs> uh but yeah like i i um but what's funny is, for me, uh, Temple of Doom's a prequel. Yes, it is. So, technically, the sequel to Raiders is Last Crusade, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's undisputedly great. I, 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 but we'll, we'll, let's address Temple of Doom, because I do like Temple of Doom. Um, I like it more and more as I get older. As a kid, I'm like, this, this is not what I was planning. Like, this is not what I was hoping for. You know? Like... That minecart chase, though, man. It's fine. It, uh, for... It looks like a ride. Like, it looks like a Disney commercial. It is, and here's the thing. Like, I was a very late comer to the Indiana Jones franchise, much as you were late to Star Trek. Yeah. And I remember seeing that one, and again, and like, I was older. Like, I was in my teens mm -hmm. when I saw that. I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I see why everyone loves Indiana Jones. I feel like I'm there, man. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. That's exactly what it should do. 
I will say, um, man, I think I told the story before, but like when I was in college, I went to a place uh, in Virginia, in in Richmond, Virginia, on Cary Street. There's an amazing old theater called the Bird Theater with a Y, nice. and it is made up. It is an old theater. It's like one of the. It's like one of those 30s mausole like museum theaters where it's like we have one screen and we and it's like a uh, like a like a temple built for film you know it's a, one of those kinds of theaters where you go yeah. and you're like oh it's a it's 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 like an opera house but it was always made as a movie theater uh, beautiful beautiful building and made you know made in the 20s or 30s at the cusp of the beginning of 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 the age of cinema and uh, they had midnight uh, nerd themed movies on Saturdays and you'd go and they'd be like, here's Raiders. And you're like, nice. And I'm like, and I had a, my girlfriend at the time had never seen any Indiana Jones movie. And I'm like, we got to fucking go see Raiders in the big screen. This is how Steven Spielberg would have wanted anyone <laughs> to see it. Cause it's cause Indiana Jones is an homage to like 20 to like thirties action serials. Yeah. So it's like, serious. let's, let's do that. Let's do And I go and fucking, it's amazing. And I'm having a great time. I'm like, I'm holding a, an old school box of, po- or, you know, box of popcorn. And I'm like oh, reacting cool. and popcorns flying out of the thing. Like any shot of, of a of a 30s audience watching a movie and at the end of it i go what'd you think she was like eh. oh eh? i'm like it's motherfucking indiana jones and that relationship began to die on the vine that day it was just one of many things that i was like the death I... of a thousand cuts yeah, and I'm, that was one. I'm like what are we doing <laughs> but uh if we can't agree on indie what can we agree on yeah but uh but you know i i think that Temple is still a pretty good sequel. That opening to, to, to Temple of Doom is fantastic. Yes, it is. I kind of wish we got that movie. I know. Didn't they make like a video game prequel? They did. That, yeah. Yeah, where it, yeah, where it explains like how he met Short Round and how he ended up there and everything. Yeah, I, I want that movie. I'm, I was, once they fall out of the plane, that's when the movie takes a hard fucking dive for me. Yeah, then it um, changes to something completely different. But you get Kali Ma, Kali Ma. That's cool. I guess that's fine. Everyone likes Kali Ma. I don't know what that. Uh, Even the fight on the bridge, I love at the end, where it's like, oh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Oh, by that point, Indy is like at a totally different place in his head. Like, prepare oh, to meet Kali in hell. <laughs> Man, you can tell they were going through some angry shit, Spielberg and Lucas, when they well, make that. Yes. What's funny is, uh, I believe that's the movie where. Uh, yeah, that's the movie where uh, Spielberg met Kate Capshaw and married her and stayed with her until now. Like, literally. And I remember watching an interview with Spielberg and he said something like, I'm not really a big fan of Temple of Doom. It's more of George's movie than mine. But I got to meet my wife. And I like to think of that as like a $60 million date. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Worked out for me. Exactly. Uh, oh, yeah. So, okay. Any any on your list? I, I've been I've been hogging the list. Yeah, actually. So, you know, hey, let's let's talk about some modern sequels to this one cuz you know, we could talk about, you know, old school sequels forever, you know, Rocky 2 and everything else. Rocky 2 is not as good as Rocky 1. No, and I like Rocky 3. Rocky 3 is my favorite. Is that the Mr. T one? That's the Mr. T one. You me, and Ben, man. What the fuck? Me and Ben. Dude, dude, ben brought up Power Rangers during your live stream, and I'm like, Ben, where have you been all my life, yeah, man? Yeah, that's why you and Ben, if we have a, if we have the the, 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 uh, the retail space, are going to shoot a special back issues. Nice. Uh, we need to hang out at New York Comic Con. So you heard here first, we're going to be shooting a, uh, 
a special New York Comic Con edition back issues with Joel and Ben as my as my guests. Nice. So, uh, what anyway. what I wanted to talk about, and it's in the realm of animation, actually, Kung Fu Panda Two. You know, I never want to watch that movie, but it, I recognize its greatness. It's a it's, solid flick. Oh God, it's far superior to the first one. Like there is subtext in this movie. Yeah. Like, it is actually a very deep and thematic movie for children. And it also does, like, that Avatar The Last Airbender thing. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, let's take, you know, ancient Asian culture mysticism and rub that up against, like, modern era mechanicalism industrial revolution stuff. Yeah, it was a cool idea. Gary Oldman is, like, unrecognizable. The best non-Disney villain in anything oh, animated. Yeah. He, he kills it as that as Lord Shen. The dude is Shakespearean, and at the end of the movie, when he does the oh, hoisted by my own petard thing, it's tragic and wonderful. It is spectacular. Danny McBride plays yes. a wolf henchman in that, and he has an arc, and he's <laughs> great in it. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> we can't fire on our own, man. I said fire. Uh, that's great. Yeah, Kung Fu. Okay, all right, Kung Fu Panda Two is great. I did not see three. I saw that trailer and was like, pass. <laughs> I saw three. It is just as disappointing as you thought it would be. Damn they it. pretty much do the first movie all over again. It. They didn't need a third one. They did not need a third Kung Fu no. Panda. I mean, they were leading to it. You kind of like expected it. By that point, you know, it's it's interesting. Kung Fu Panda. You didn't need a sequel. You couldn't. You didn't have to do a sequel. And it's one of those things where you only expected there to be a sequel because it was DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, but it's solid. Like they, that was that's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Where it's like, you took the first thing, you built on it, you made something interesting, you made something new, and you went in another direction with it. You didn't you just have it. a bigger threat that is the Furious Five has to fight. And blah. You made it organic. You told a really good story with a beginning, middle, and end. Agreed. What sucks about the third one too is that like I had been imagining a much more interesting one in my head. Yeah. When it came out, it's like, ooh, ooh, but his panda dad's alive, though. Wouldn't it be interesting if his panda dad was actually evil? And he's like, yeah, the pandas are going to take over the world now, son. You yes. got to help us with this one. Wouldn't that have been interesting? And he has, like, a Darth Vader moment of, like, yeah, pandas were actually evil conquerors, you see. No one knew it, but we were. Yeah. Shit was actually right to kill us. <laughs> that would have been cool. Wouldn't nope. that have been a much more interesting movie? Yeah. They sure did not do that. No, they did not. Um, in the same animation lines, I had to put Toy Story 2 because Toy Story is great. Toy Story 2 was the first time where I was like, oh, like you're doing, you're doing something really special. Pixar could do no wrong, especially because, you know, usually in animation sequels, especially with the lifetime of Disney sequels, you're like, oh, these are never good. They're cash-ins. They're always much lamer than the original but oh, no yeah. it was good oh when they i mean like the marketing for toy story 2 it's like hey you got a friend herpa derpa we got a female woody and i'm like get the hell out of here i didn't see toy story 2 until maybe 10 years ago nice i was like this is fucking good that like he like she needs me i like wept like a child kill kills you every time doesn't not only it? that i mean like well and toy story 2 is really really just solid it's a neat idea and it's and that's another thing where you didn't need to do a sequel. They probably weren't planning on doing a sequel. And then they made one and it fucking builds on it. It's a perfect sequel. And they then found a good through line, didn't they? Yes. And created an organic trilogy arc where it's like the first one, you're dealing with your own reality, right? You're coming mm -hmm. up with, you're realizing you're a toy through the eyes of Buzz Lightyear. Second one, you are like, they're granted, they're offered 
the uh, they're they're facing their own mortality. They're like, oh yeah, toy mortality, toy mortality, toy mortality. They're like <laughs> they're, they're looking at they're, they basically Woody is offered the chance at immortality, mm-hmm. and he chooses friendship and family over immortality. Is that life really a life though? And then in the and then the third one is like, let's test it. Let's test it by actually killing them all. Yeah, like, let's do it. <laughs> let's kill let, them all, Peter. Kill yeah, you're them just all. like that's fucked up. Like that—that's fucking amazing. Let's, the, the let's actually like, see yeah. toy versions of heaven, purgatory, and hell. Yeah, let's let's have them actually. Well, let's let's test that idea. It's easy to live with the the idea of like I choose family over immortality. I'm going to I'm going to live on. Like I'm going to li- I'm going to live my life. And they're like, what about Andy? What about when he like grows up? You know what? That's that's the future. And right now, I have my family and my life, and that's all like that's all that matters. Uh, Arlie Ermey, I think, said it best as the army man in the third one. It's like, the mission is accomplished. We saw Andy to adulthood. Now we're going, as all army men must do. Yeah, we will all disappear. That's amazing. Uh, That's a beautiful line, and it's a good way to write Arlie Ermey out of the movie. Too. Yes. Like, oh, but we got all these army men around. What do we do? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh, so great. Well, they just leave then because it was mission accomplished. Right. It's what we came to do. Adorable. Love that idea. Um... But yeah, so uh, I was also going to mention, just this is a quick aside, I have nothing really to contribute except for Adam's Family Values is a pretty good sequel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. Man, I'm a big Adam's Family fan. Yeah, I am not, I like them, I think they're solid pictures. I'm not really into like, like, I don't know what you would call it, like I guess gothic humor. I guess that's like kooky gothic humor, like I wouldn't even call it that. It's almost Burton-esque, but it's, but it's Sonnenfeld. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. Because as a kid, I always assumed that the Adams Family movies were made by Burton. And then it's like, oh no, as it turns out, like, nope. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was solid. It was just a, it was just a fun movie. It's it's one of those sequels that... Let's do the let's do what we did last time. But like, a little bit different. And uh, and it still works. I mean, you know, the Adams Family is just one of those concepts where it's like, you could just put that on anything at any time and it still kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised they haven't done like a redone version of the Adams family yet. I am I think that after they made Dark Shadows, they were like, okay, yeah, no one wants to watch <laughs> Put it. a nail in this coffin. Yeah. You know what's you know what else? Adams Family and by extension Adams Family Values are so timelessly made that you could pretty much just re-release them. People would be like, oh, this is really good. They really are. They really I remember uh what is it in school? During Halloween, our uh, teacher actually popped out like a version, like like the original Adams Family thing there. Yeah. And I and like I loved it. I'm like, oh cool, an Adams Family movie. This is awesome. Like none of the other kids in my class are gonna dig this. They were all totally into it oh, by the awesome. end. And I'm like, see, see, it won you over, didn't it? <laughs> you were that all like, great. oh, I'm too cool for this. But by the end, it's like, well, what's gonna happen with Uncle Fester though? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Um, I, I I love that when people get won over by a movie. Yeah, I love I yeah I love when an old movie that I love, wa- like winds up converting a whole bunch of people that I thought were cynical like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 philistines. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, a good word. It's like where'd you my god- word go? <laughs> you, you goddamn plebeians. Yeah. Uh, what else on your list? What else have you got? Uh, keeping with the animation bent, and I was here. This is this is the last one for my animation okay. bent, but. Uh, Freaking Shrek 2, man. Shrek 2 is okay. I, I, I think Shrek 1 is lightning in a bottle. Shrek 1 is a more complete film. Shrek 2 is funnier, though. Is it? I, it, I would say yes, it is. It is, it, is, it is more overtly funny. 
Like, it's the gross. subtlety has been sapped, but it's still pretty... Like, that's... Shrek 2's the one where it's like, it's a thong! Like, yeah, that, that's, um... That's fine. I liked it's, it. It's I, definitely a gag every minute, too. And, uh, well, again, you're talking about the organic thing. You know, in the first one, we see Shrek and Fiona fall in love, and that's cool and everything. Yes. But it's the what's after the happily ever after, and how could these two completely incompatible people make it work? Yeah, that's cool. And it's, and it's like, it really is a movie about marriage, which you never see in any sort of Disney-esque animated movie canon. And it no. says, like, hey, kids, a good marriage takes hard work, actually. Yes, that's that's cool. Uh, I, I did like that approach. You know what? That's the, that's the thing. Three and four are garbage. Yes, they are. But they two are is the last are... one. Where they're yep. like, let's try. Let's try something. Let's, let's, we have something to say. Let's do it. We're going to make Chew, the money. Chew had the perfect ending. They should have had it done there. It was all downhill from there. I also, I don't know why I always laugh at Pinocchio's voice. Oh, donkey! Like, it's just this weird, grating, totally incongruous voice. Like, why would Pinocchio sound like that? Oh, everybody! Like, he just sounds like a demented Muppet. Was, was that a famous actor they got, or was that one of those situations where they let, like, one of the animators do a temp voice, but they like it so much <laughs> I, they keep him? I, it's gotta be that they were like, ah, you'll be the fill-in, make us all laugh in the sound booth, and then we'll eventually replace it with somebody else. That's that's how they cast Stillskin for the third one. That was just an animator whose take they liked so much. Like, hey, no, we're gonna keep you in the whole movie. Ugh. Rumpelstiltskin. That movie was such fucking bad. <laughs> so it, bad. It was. You know your series is completely out of gas when you have to recycle, but it's a wonderful life plot. You know, and even then, they could have taken that in another direction. You know, like, I, I like Farquaad takes over. Like, that's... They didn't even bother. To bring John Lithgow back. And, you know, and 4 is dumb, too, because Shrek's like, oh, man, I really miss the days when I was an ogre and I went around terrorizing people. But in the first one, you made a point of saying you didn't actually do that and people were being intolerant of you. Yeah, plus, Shrek babies are ugly. Yes, they are. Shrek babies was a really bad idea. And it's like, I, I know what they were doing. Because here's the thing. You know Minions? Oh, yes. Which are the worst thing ever. Uh, and yet more popular than any of the Marvel movies or Star Wars movies put together. Yeah. Uh, crap. Who is that? Is that DreamWorks? Yes, that's DreamWorks. DreamWorks has been trying to make Minions work for a long time. Like oh, yeah. Even years. before Despicable Me, they were sitting around as a script. And they kept, every time they had like a new animated thing, they're like, can you cram the Minions in there? Mm -hmm. And then they finally stuck them in Despicable Me and got what they wanted. But I think the Shrek babies were a testing ground for minions. I think yeah. they were they were like, we'll make little dolls, we'll make stupid like candy figures out of them. Like we'll we'll just we'll just oversaturate the market with Shrek babies. I, I will say as far as Shrek and candy goes, I do miss the green Shrek-sized M&Ms that you got around <laughs> the time of the movie. If nothing else good came from that, it's the Shrek-sized M&Ms. <laughs> Uh, another movie that I'm just going to say really quick was really awesome and almost not even really a sequel was Return to Oz. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super cool. If you've never seen it, watch it. It's really cool. If, it's for not, if nothing else, just to go like, they were allowed to make this? It's a trip, man. Yeah. I rarely say that, but Return to Oz is a fucking trip, man. It really is. Grant Morrison would be proud. It's, uh, it's just so bizarre and weird and scary and, and earnest. A post-apocalyptic Oz where the yellow brick road is fucking destroyed. Yeah. As a kid, I remember seeing, you know, like how with older movies, you got like little previews for other mo similar movies. And I, I think it was on Roger Rabbit or something where they would, uh, they tried, they like they had a bunch of like Return to Oz promos. And I'm like, 
what is this? Because <laughs> as a kid, I always thought that Wizard of Oz was really kind of boring and old. I was just kind of like, eh, I, this is I always really dug it, but that's just me. I like it now. I appreciate it now. I appreciate, you know, like, cinema, but... That movie was made in the 30s, and you can barely tell. No, it's true, yeah. Like, well, like, like Citizen Kane. Like, it's a timeless movie. You're like, when was this movie made? What it, what existed before it? This is like a modern movie. How did you make that happen? Mm -hmm. um, but Return to Oz is like, what the crap? Like, some cool, like, 12-year-old's like, and then this happens... It's really cool. It's it's an edgy version of Wizard of Oz, but like not in a bad way. Like edgy, cool. Yeah, it's not like it's not dark and gritty. It's just post-apocalyptic '80s sequel. Dude, dude, what are those guys? The Wheelers. What a cool design. Yeah, and horrible and horrifying. Oh yeah, there's a lot of horrifying stuff in that movie. The head coming off and everything. Yeah. Else. That rock monster. Oh yeah. There's a lot of cool shit in Return to Oz. I just, I just love the, the, I love the Scarecrow. I love the, the, the ridiculous sleigh or whatever they use. And that, and that Return to Oz too. That's a way after the fact sequel yes! too, which are rarely ever good. No, um, here's a sequel that like no one likes, but I've always enjoyed, and it's Ghostbusters too. Oh yes, we've had this conversation before. I've slagged off Ghostbusters too many a time. Nobody likes Ghostbusters too. I think it's incredibly quotable. It's fun. It's it is needless. You don't need it. It's it's the same kind. It's basically the same movie, but again, um, but makes less sense because like, why would an evil Carpathian like Rasputin type character be responsible for bringing all the ghosts back? Like, it doesn't make any like. And how is he connected with with slime? That doesn't make any sense. It's just weird. Uh, but at the same time. I love seeing the guys together. Like uh, for it's me, true. people. I think the problem is people were annoyed because there's maybe five minutes of ghost busting in it. Yeah. And what me, annoyed me is how they redid the whole "let's start a business" angle again. Yeah, but at the same time, I like that. Like I like seeing businesses grow, especially fictional ones in movies. Mm. Is Ghostbusters one great and perfect? Yes, Ghostbusters one is a perfect mo movie, but Ghostbusters two has its moments and. It's kind of fun to see where they are. And some people are pissed about like the whole idea of five years later or whatever, they're they were sued by everybody. I'm like, no, yeah. Like, it is it depressing and frustrating? Yeah. But does that kind of make sense in the context of reality? Yes, it does. They were wearing unlicensed nuclear accelerators. They blew <laughs> up a building and conjured a hundred foot marshmallow man. Everyone would want to get a piece, especially when they had international coverage. Which, geez, you know, uh, pre-9-11, it was totally okay to blow up a building in New York. <laughs> to be fair, Gozer blew it up. <laughs> it's true, but they were there, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't point the finger at Gozer and say that guy did it. No, it's true. I mean, like, look, was it really hokey that they needed to use the Statue of Liberty? Yeah. Was it even more hokey that they needed, like, love to defeat... Go, like uh vigo even worse that's the um, power of love amazingly enough though the baby is in it and oscar's not really annoying i have no problem with oscar i'll i'll give you this as far as like science fiction comedy sequels go i would happily take ghostbusters 2 over men in black 2 men in black 2 is like what are you even doing it's lazy lazy but not as lazy as the third one <laughs> the third one is just it the second one is lazy the third one's desperate Yes, it is. Just Please awful. like us. Please let this series continue. Yeah. No. <laughs> you killed it.
I would take any episode of the Men in Black animated series over any of the sequels. Ironically, uh, Dan Aykroyd used to used to use Men in Black as his reason why Ghostbusters three never existed. He was like, "Really, it's the reason why you can't do a Men in Black two. It would cost too much because the ideas that I have for three are so out there that no one would give us the budget for that kind of movie." <laughs> And then they made Men in Black 2, and it's like, oh, way to justify not doing any Ghostbusters uh, sequels. Uh, uh. Um, people are talking about other sequels in the chat like that are horrible. That's not what this is. Transformers 2, uh, Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze, Ghost Rider 2. Is, is it really fair to say Ghost Rider 2 is a good sequel? When it's the first better one was, than one. It's better than one in that the Ghost Rider looks way better. And uh, Nicolas Cage, they definitely threw the chains off him and said, yeah. just, just be nuts, just grimace We don't care. Camera. That said, by the way, that's a comic book movie and we don't, we're not talking about those today. Yes. Neverending Story 2 is worse than anything almost ever. <laughs> so, uh, no. Uh, but we will talk about Back to the Future 2, which builds off the first one in a great and perfect way. It's great. I just, it's hard that it, this list is almost called the Back to the Future li Two list because it's perfect, and it's pretty good. They were shooting three at the same time. It was one of those first times where they're like, "Let's shoot both movies mm -hmm. around the same time." Just, go just gold. It, uh, it ups the ante. It creates a message. I remember in the commentary for Back to the Future One, Zemeckis was talking about how he's like, "If you really analyze this movie." It kind of sucks because at the end, the ants like the 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 problem that Marty has is that he doesn't have the things he wants, and time travel gives them to him. Like <laughs> we give him his four by four, and he gets the girl. That's not really powerful. And I'm like, fuck you. It's great. It doesn't matter. But with two, they're like, let's let's make it like where it's. Because what do you take away from that? What you, what you take away from Back to the Future One is I wish I had time travel. Uh, with Back to the Future 2 and 3, you're like, you know, your future isn't written yet, uh, you have, you, like, you're basically always in the past, like, you're always time traveling, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. you always have the opportunity to affect your future if you make good decisions and learn from your mistakes and stuff like that. At least there's a lesson, and that's kind of cool that they were like, let's build a lesson out of this just fun, schlocky action uh, sci-fi adventure movie. But, uh, solid. Yeah, uh, Ian McKay brought one up. I can't believe I didn't write this down because this is like one of my favorite movies to throw on just all the time. Yeah. It's one of the best action movie sequels. I can't believe I didn't think of this. Crank 2. Crank 2, high voltage. Crank 2 eats the first Crank's launch. I remember seeing Crank 1 on like DVD and being like, eh, it's a pretty you yes. know, boring, straightforward action movie with Jason Statham like so many others. I almost didn't see Crank 2. I saw Crank 2 on TV and I'm like, oh my god, this is already a million times better. And yes. talk about a sequel that gets a lot of fun and a lot of mileage out of making fun of the first movie. Like, literally, Q comes on the news and says, yeah, they gave him a bunch of poison and he should have died and he fell out of a building. It's really dumb, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I, I also caught Crank 2 on television and was like, this is this is really stupid, but couldn't stop watching it. It is it is the closest you will ever get to a good Grand Theft Auto movie because it literally is, you gotta go fight the gang boss, you gotta go get some health pickups, yep. you gotta go pick up the hooker and oh drive really quick. It really is just a living video game. It is shoot out in the strip club now. Oh, now it's time for a final boss against uh, El Harod. Oh, but he's got special super moves. <laughs> and oh god, and you gotta kill the head in the jar too. Oh my god, yeah. It's, and also, too, in that movie, they peel back the layers and actually kind of let Chev Chelios become a character and mm. let you learn about him in the weirdest fashion. 
there's like a trippy fantasy talk show segment that maybe happened, maybe didn't <laughs> with Chev and his mom. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so this is why he's a bastard. Right. No, that's cool. That's a good point. Excellent. Excellent poll. It's, it's so good, too, where it's like, no, 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 don't make a third one to this. But also kind of make a third one to this, though, because they, they kind of leave it on a note. It's like, no, but then he died for real, though. Or did he? Or did he? Yeah. The <sighs> only way you could do Crank 3 is if he's literally in hell and he needs to fight his way past the devil to come back to life. Yeah, that sounds about right. Make it just drive angry with Jason Statham. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised the Ghost Rider 2 wasn't just Crank 3. <laughs> it might as well have been. Um, you know, people are talking about the Road Warrior. Road Warrior and Fury Road. That's two great But sequels. I was going to say Fury Road because I was never really a Mad Max fan. I was. I, I, I've seen them all in varying stages. Like, I've seen Thunderdome. I've seen the very first one, like, where it's kind of just, like, a shitty movie. Like, I don't mean, like, the movie shitty. I just mean, like, Mel Gibson's life is kind of shitty. Like, yeah. as opposed to a post-apocalyptic, you know, Road Warrior type movie. What a series that changes between movie and movie. Yes. From the first one that's like a dystopian Australia to the second one that is apocalyptic. I mean, yeah. Road Warrior is the movie that wrote the book on apocalyptic mm -hmm. fiction. That's We go out to the desert with a bunch of car parts and bondage gear, and this is what you do in the apocalypse. That's right. That's, yeah. that's where it comes from. To everyone after that kind of changing it to be like, okay, well, now they're not really about Max anymore after the first one. It's right. about this world. Every sequel grows the world, and Max just kind of wanders into things. Yeah, Max is our avatar. We get to yes. we get to witness the world through his eyes, and because he's in the thick of it, we get to see the best parts. Which is a fact um, that I think many people miss about those movies or misconstrue. Yes, well, they're like, why isn't Max in these movies? Max is what does he do anything? He is the man with no name. He is the drifter, is yeah. what he is. I will say, uh, Fury Road made me go like, holy shit. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. It was one of my one of the best movies of last year and still manages that one. One of the best new screen villains ever in a Morton Joe. <laughs> it's... Talk about a guy who could stand shoulder to shoulder with Master Blaster and Lord Humongous, who That's are true. already great movie villains. Yes. Mad Max Fury Road is not only a terrific sequel that like all the i think there's all there's benefits and growth to all of the mad max sequels like each one builds upon the last one uh fury road's the one that gives me hope that we'll get sequels like most of the ones that i've been referring to I, and years after the fact too and the same dude george miller came back after all yes well and it's funny like i love i love old man returns from the past to kick ass one more time stories Beautiful. Uh, Clint Eastwood is a brilliant film director. Is, is a brilliant director. Is making some amazing, gorgeous movies, and he's like Sully he's is getting great ancient. reviews right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, and George Miller just fucking owns. Uh, Scorsese made the youngest feeling movie of the year with Wolf of Wall Street. It's true, and I don't think anyone else with any with with less experience could have made a movie like that. Which, but anyone which makes with... me laugh when guys like Tarantino say, eh, I only want to make X amount of movies because name me any directors whose movies stayed as good or better as they got older. Well, we yeah. got two now. Yeah, well, hey, guess what, Quentin? Like, you're considered to be one of the greats. Prove it. By like, continuing to make movies even when you get old. And the last two movies he's made haven't been anywhere close to as good as the la as the third to last movie. Yeah. Like, legitimately, Inglorious Bastards is is damn near perfect. Love Django it. was like, all right, you want to do a Western? Fine. There was some all fun right, things in there. It's a little too long and a little too self-indulgent. Same then, with Hateful Eight. And then Hateful Eight, I was like, 
but I like Hateful Eight more than I like Django. I don't like either of those movies at all. Like, I like Django more than Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, I'm like, this is a beautiful looking movie, but fuck do I not care about anything that's happening in here. But damn it. Uh, people were talking about Kill Bill 2. I don't consider Kill Bill 2 a sequel. It's all one movie that I he shot so. at once, and then the wine scenes went, let's get more beautiful money by releasing them both. I, I've never seen the whole bloody affair, but I've always wanted to, where it's like the big, long super cut of all of yeah. it together and all the deleted scenes put back in. That'd be cool. That's like a fucking five-hour investment, but whatever. Yeah, apparently they only tour that one around. Like, you don't actually get to own that one on DVD. Yes. No, they you don't have that. Uh Godfather 2 is a undisputed masterpiece. Yep. I prefer Godfather 1. Yeah, you can make the argument. I mean, that's that's the classic thing for sequels there, where it's like, you know, 1 is better because it's tighter and more focused. 2 is more scattershot, but is does more interesting things. Yeah, 2 ups the ante. It, it takes the original premise and it builds on it. It's a perfect sequel. It does exactly what we said, where it's like, you could never have made another Godfather movie, or you could have continued it with Godfather 2. Mm. Those are the only two options. The only other option is to ruin it with something shitty. Mm -hmm. Speaking of newer movies, too, The Raid 2. Oh, my God, is The Raid 2 awesome? It was one of the best action movies in a long time. I didn't like, see The Raid 2. Did you see Raid 1? No. Okay, so Raid 1, for those of you who in the chat who don't know, it's you couldn't get a more basic action movie. It's a bunch of SWAT guys need to go into, like, a drug palace. It's Dread, but Raid came out before Dread. Right. And they need to fight their way out, and they punch and kick, and they kill, and they do all sorts of stuff, and it's fine. It's a great splatter fest. Two is better because it takes it from one place to the whole city now is your fighting playground. And they also put a story in there, too. That's cool. That's great. It's, it's it's your standard undercover cop story, but when the action is so good and you actually have a story to see you through it, it becomes a million times better. Like, the, the main guy in this who does all his own stunts, of course, with his penchacks a lot, <laughs> he fights people in the street. He fights them above stuff. They fight going through glass. The cars fight each other at some <laughs> point. There's no, if you see nothing else from this, Sal... There's an amazing fight scene they have in a car, and you're like, "How did they? How did they film this? How That's did awesome. they do this?" I found out later how they filmed it. Like cameramen actually dressed up as like seat cushion <laughs> covers, and they're sitting there filming it. That's cool. I like that. I, I I love movies in which they make you say out loud or to yourself, "How did they do that?" Also, talk about an action movie for an age of globalism. This is like a Sri Lankan or something like that action movie. With a type of martial art that isn't kung fu and isn't karate, directed by a Welsh man, right, and distributed all over the world. That's nice. Um, really quick aside, Predator Two is good. I don't care who says it. I'll fight you. I like Predator Two, and the it doesn't do the same thing. It does the exact same thing in a different setting. Indonesian, thank you. Indonesian, there you go. Uh, it does the exact same thing as the last movie. Got, uh, but follow, it creates the formula, it proves the formula, which is, there's this movie script that didn't sell, right? It's about a bunch of people. First one, a bunch of Green Berets. Uh, South American guerrillas are hired by the Soviets to run large-scale guns across the American border. A team of Arnold people are going to kill their, kill them, and that's the end of the movie. But then a predator shows up and fucks up all mm -hmm. their plans. Predator 2, uh, it's it's one of those movies where it's like, it's kind of in the future. It's like Robocop. It's like a yeah. Paul Verhoeven-type movie where it's like, 
super cop is dealing with all this shit and like the streets of LA are being ripped apart by gangs and uh, and it's during a heat wave so everyone's uncomfortable and it's horrible and then yeah. boom predator shows up fucks everything up that's the formula and it works really well and ups the ante creates some new stuff you got predator nets you got the disc yeah. for the first time it creates the it helps to define the genre and and establish the formula and when you get the 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 first movie out of your head i don't care about how to pronounce Paul Verhoeven's last name. Sorry. Verhoeven. I don't care. I've been saying it right that way forever, and so has everyone else. Also, this, this is the same person who said that Citizen Kane is not a timeless movie. Ooh. So, I'm sorry, but that's enough. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> As you were saying, Predator So, yeah, two. Uh, Predator 2. Solid movie, and once you get the idea of the first Arnold movie out of your head... You can enjoy it. You got to no. you got to you got to distance yourself because Danny Glover is not the same person. No, he's not. I I would be willing to agree with everything you said there. And I wanted to ask you this: Where do you stand on Predators? I love Predators. I like Predators too a lot. It fe it feels like the missing movie in between one and two, doesn't it? It does. It does. You could actually set Predators at any point. Although they do, it's funny actually. They reference the first one, but not the second one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which I was like, don't discount the second one the second one's also the one where you get the alien skull in the in the in the trophy room so you're it's, like there it is guys that's your whole basis for avp it's and not fitting the movies. too it's fitting too to tie it back to aliens i mean predators is the aliens of the predator series you know that was an attempt uh, oh I, god yes i read the script that robert rodriguez wrote for predators and it is bigger and, well it's not it's not bigger it's more or less the same idea but uh, at the end of the movie, instead of them coming upon, like, a weird camp that the rival predators are in, uh -huh. all the predators have, like, a hierarchy, and they go, there's, like, a big, weird, like, predator-esque structure, uh -huh. and they, and, like, the last survivors happen upon the, the structure, and they see a predator, like a, like a clan leader predator walking through with an American army general. Ooh. And the idea is that the that the uh, that the American government knew about predators, and they've been making deals with the predators. They've been allowing them to do this. They've been allowing them to hunt in their uh, on our planet, but they've been more like the deal was with them taking people was like the 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 government is like if you stop hunting on our planet, we will just send you people. Huh. And uh, yeah, I think the idea was that they meet Arnold. I think Arnold was like captured by the predators, and he's been living on the on the planet the whole time. So like Arnold's there and he's he was Dutch. supposed to be the, what is it? The other character. He was supposed to be the, 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 the Morpheus character, the Lawrence Fishburne right. character that said, he also doesn't die at the end. Uh, -huh. uh, they, and they steal a big predator ship in, instead of it exploding at the end. And <laughs> they, the idea is that they have like, it's Dutch and like your other person and they steal a predator ship and they go to earth and they're like, there's going to be a reckoning. <laughs> I, I I actually quite respect Predators for the restraint it yes. showed, and that is the, hey, let's, like, not show the Predator homeworld. Let's not invent a lot of new Predator minutia. Let's yeah. just, you know, take what's cool about it. Yeah. I mean, they, the only thing they do is they're like, we want to put our own stamp on it, is, like, they created a different class of Predator. Yeah. But they didn't replace the last Predator. They were no, just like, oh, there's, there's bigger, scarier Predators, too, which is, I, like, I've, fine. I've always wondered about predators because you know they're this like whole big sport hunter culture thing. 
but clearly they have super advanced technology and everything. Do you think there's just like, you know, uh, like pampered predators back on the home world who's like, no, I, I, I don't hunt. I, 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 I choose not to. I think they're like Klingons where it's like, if you don't hunt, you're dishonorable. Right. That's fair. Like you, there's no such thing as an old predator. Right. They're that whole warrior culture shtick. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you are too old to hunt, then you either kill yourself or you go on your last hunt and die there. Also, how, how do uh, predators reproduce? Have we only seen male predators up until this yeah, point? Yeah, we've not seen baby predators. Are there female predators? See, I don't want to see baby predators. Oh, that's a million dollar idea. Baby predators. There have to be, there have to be female predators. They're bipedal. They, see, they, they, have, they cover their junk. So there must be something happening down there. They know there. shame. <laughs> Which you thought was an earthling concept, but no, the predators have No, it. yeah. Uh, somebody mentioned the Devil's Rejects. Yes, I agree. I saw House of a Thousand Corpses and resigned myself to never see another Rob Zombie movie ever again. Man, this Halloween, you pop in Devil's Rejects, I swear you won't be disappointed. It's a totally different movie in a totally different genre. Yeah. Also, it follows the killers all the way through, which is kind of amazing. That's the one thing I will always give Rob Zombie credit for. He lets the monsters be the leads. Right. Because here's the thing, Devil's Rejects opens and the cops, led by William Forsythe, mm -hmm. are attacking like the uh, like the Firefly compound. The deal is where it's like, oh yeah, we know you killed those kids from the first movie. Right. And you killed my brother who was the cop from the first movie. And now we, we're not even taking you to trial anymore. We're just going to kill you now. Southern justice, we're just going to burn your house down and shoot you all Frankenstein style. Good. That's the first five minutes, and then you follow the killers as they try and outrun this cop who is doing his own Ahab white whale thing and coming undone, and I will find you, and I will have my God-given revenge. That's cool. It's it's quite cool, actually. It's Again, it takes a lot. It takes even more reference from, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it also becomes, like, a southern fried crime movie, too. Oh, that's cool. It actually does a lot of really interesting things. And they don't even mention Dr. Satan, and they don't even mention any of that shit from the end of the movie. Good. <laughs> you don't you don't see Grandpa, you don't see any of that other stuff. It's like it's on a whole nother planet. Okay. Uh, the, the finale also has one of the best uses of free bird in a movie I've ever oh seen. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Jake Stanley asked if Evil Dead 2 is really a sequel. It's more of a remake. We talked about this in the last one. We yeah. did, we did. But it's they, they tried to, it's basically like, we made the first one, it didn't work, so we knew how to do it better, so we did it again. That's uh, that's right. Uh, what is it? A, a Chaos Joker. DDP is in Devil's Rejects. He plays a bounty hunter with Danny Trejo, who was hired by the cops God to go it. catch the killers. Uh, rounding out my list, uh, do you have any other extras that you want to mention? Because I, uh, I, got, I, got, I have two more. One I'm going to mention for like 30 seconds. The other one is like... I, yeah. I, I had such a big list here. Okay, I talked about that one. We're not doing superheroes. Right. Um, you, you know what? You can go. You can go. All right. Uh, Gremlins 2. Mm. It's one of those movies where it, it was... Uh, the new batch. The new batch. Uh, Joe Dante said they, they took too long. He, they're like, we're making a Gremlins sequel. He goes, you waited too long. No one cares about what Gremlins are anymore. And they were like, well, we're doing it anyway, and we're going to do it with, it with or without you. And he's like, I guess I'll do it. And they're like, okay, good, finally. Uh, what do you want to do? He's like, anything I want. And they're like, done. And then they made <laughs> Gremlins 2, which I prefer. I love Gremlins, but I like Gremlins 2 more. It's a joke. It's a cartoon movie. It's silly. It's a parody. It's amazing. Everyone in it is perfect and hilarious. Uh, if you've never watched the Key and Peele sketch about Gremlins 2, it's not accurate, but it's amazing. I like in that 
the key and peel sketch is like what if this was how this movie got made and it's like <laughs> that's really funny and i like that on twitter joe dante was like yeah that's uh that's pretty much how it went and i'm like that's really funny way to go <laughs> uh but yeah loved gremlins 2 uh and finally terminator 2 judgment day is my favorite sequel of all time how, how, how can you not say that another cameron joint another just blows it out of the water makes it deeper and more meaningful and also turns what was essentially a techno thriller horror movie yeah. and turns it into one of the greatest action movies ever made dude knows how to shoot action makes it makes it real you you uh and the way the the tricks he uses he, he pulls out all the stops. He knows where to use CG and where definitely not to use CG. Uh, he's, you know, you can see where, even when you can see the strings, all that does is enhance the movie because you go, this is so masterfully produced. That freaking aqueduct chase, even all these years later. It's still perfect. Uh, the, they flew a helicopter under the overpass. <laughs> like these are things they legitimately did. Uh, and it's, it's just so great. They really built a life-size replica of the T-1000 and then broke the fucking thing. Like the, the gel man Terminator still a great villain to this day and still looks good even after all these years. Yeah. T-1000 still looks great. Well, you know why? Cause he's like, what can we do with CG? And they're like, well, here's the, here's the prototype. And like, like that, make it like that. You know, just Perfect. make it, just make it featureless in silver, and we've got ourselves a movie. And we got things that we can make look chrome, and that works perfectly. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like you get three different versions of that movie. You got the, you got the the movie cut, which is great. You got the director's cut, which is just more. You just get more shit. Uh, you know, like having been frozen and then destroyed and then reconstituted he's broken he's malfunctioning so he starts to merge with things you get some extra of that uh and then uh but you still get the same ending where it's you're not quite sure like what's going to happen and she says the unknown future rolls towards us like a black highway at night mm -hmm. and then the ultimate edition has an alternate ending and it's a completely different ending that ends the franchise so boom you got like there are three different versions of that movie they're, uh, they're talking about a horror movie sequels there oh, in the that's chat. that's a show. Like, it really yeah. is. Because they were mentioning, like, Friday the 13th, too. I'm like, well, technically Jason doesn't become the Jason we know until the third one when he puts on the hockey mask. Nightmare 2 with Robert England is like, what the hell were we thinking with that one? There's so many that were like, what are you doing? I was having a conversation with another YouTuber the other day, and he was, he was talking to me about, like, the subtext of Friday the Thirteenth, and I'm like, we need oh, to talk oh, about this super, more. Oh, super, super gay subtext in. Nightmare oh, not just, 2. not just that, but just the like, what's Friday, what the Friday the Thirteenth, Part One and Two represent, and how they inform the culture, and like where they build off of. I'm like, wow, you've thought about this a lot. <laughs> that really sounds like a really interesting conversation. I know. I wish we'd recorded it. I would have been like, oh, this is a show. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, what else you got to, to round out the episode, man? Uh, well, okay, to bring it back to a really current one, and I don't know if I talked about this one or not, but uh, we, we were kind of joking about this at the beginning, but Neighbors 2 is a really good sequel because it, <laughs> it does everything we said, and it doesn't seem like it did. Right. It feels incredibly organic because in the first one, they keep talking about Zac Efron's character who's like a frat douche. Yes. And they say, well, you can't do this forever. It's your last year at school. You're going to have to grow up at some point. Yeah. And and by the end of that movie, he sort of deals with it. And he's like, yeah, OK, I'll just go work at Abercrombie and Fitch. And like, that's his quote unquote happy ending. 
only for the second one to be like, Abercrombie and Fitch sucks because now I'm getting older and I'm getting replaced by younger, hotter dudes. <laughs> the happiest I ever was was being a frat douche and oh my god, that's so tragic. What am I going to do? Oh, 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 Chloe Moretz and friends, you, you, you're trying to start like a, a sorority? Well, I can help because I know what you've got to do to make money. Please, someone love and accept me. That's cool. And Seth Rogen and his wife were like, oh my god, this is happening again. We're trying to raise a daughter and a sorority has now moved in next door. What do we do? Mm. Oh, we got to go to Zac Efron's character and he's got to help us defeat them now because the sorority has grown drunk on their own sense of power and mm -hmm. have been corrupted by Zac Efron's influence. Oh my god. And crazier still... The movie also gets like another shade deeper because the only reason these girls want to start a sorority is because sororities can't have parties in like the Greek system. Gotcha. And they want a place where, you know, they can feel safe and not pressured by dudes and everything. Yeah. And they become worse versions of themselves chasing it. <laughs> only at the end for Seth Rogen and his wife to be like, you know what, just, just do whatever you want to do and be happy. College is like... Uh, an important time and they do and they see the error of their ways and I'm like why is this like stoner bro comedy having so many great messages about like gender equality and everything what it's like uh it's like Seth Rogen like has some things to say but also knows how it works it's so true I'm just like wow this is a comedy sequel that actually had things to say had a through line had themes that's weird I had it's no so concept I didn't see the neighbors I saw the trailer I'm like this isn't for me this isn't for me. I get it. I, I'm, I've kind of had enough of Seth Rogen. <laughs> have you? Have you? Have, are you at maximum Seth Rogen? I just now? had enough. It's just like, all right. Maybe it was him ruining Preacher for me, but it, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but it, but hey, but how good is the disaster artist going to be when that finally I, happens? I can't wait, but I also totally can. I read the book. It's great. Uh, I also I read forgot the book. that that's the book I read. People ask me what novels I've read. I'm like, this is the disaster artist. I read that. So good. Greg Sestero. He should keep uh, doing books. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's it's a book about his failed career and that yeah. ridiculously amazing movie. His crushed dreams and the crazy man that he knew. Yeah. That's that's a show. We should just talk about The Room and just be like, yeah, this is a movie that like I love watching every couple of months. Hey, we do Elseworld commentaries. Maybe we should pull that one out. Maybe we should get some people to guest in on that. We should actually sit and watch The Room. That'd be amazing. I love The Room. I watch it all the time. It's just it's... So Oh, hi, funny. Mark. Oh, hi. Ha, ha, ha. I, I actually have a friend, Mark, and I say that to him all the time. I'm he sure no he's what, <laughs> done He has that. no idea what the hell I'm doing. It's what? just for me. That's nuts. I'm surprised that didn't. he isn't inundated with that. Oh, hi, Mark. Well, he's an older dude, so I'm not going to be able to tell him. He's just like, hey, man, sit down and watch this terrible movie to get this joke. Or better yet, oh. better yet, watch OSW's review of the movies just so you can get what it is because it's much shorter. Yeah. I've done, I, went to, I went to middle school and high school with a, with a friend named Tim, and he was... He, he almost changed his name based on all the Timmy he got. So, like, <laughs> I know what it's like to have to be ruined by a name. Timmy, Timmy. Timmy, Timmy. He was like, all right, everybody, I like South Park, too. Shit, uh, South Park comes back, like, I think this week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, comes New South back Park. this week. We should we should pencil that in for uh, for the next one where I'm back. We should do a South Park episode. That's a good one, because I've, uh, yeah, I fell off the wagon a couple of years ago, but and I, I have very complicated feelings about the last couple seasons because they've started introducing continuity into the show now. Oh. 
to its to its detriment, I would argue, because I went back and just picked an episode at random from the last season. I'm like, okay, you know, what? I'll I'll watch it. I'll watch the last episode and see how it holds up comedically. Yeah. And they're trying so hard to wrap up so many story points and plot points they started earlier in the season. I'm like, okay, this is cool and impressive, but none of it's funny though. Mm. Mm. That's I see the issue. You... It needs to be funny. It needs to it needs to be relevant and funny. That's what they do best. And the best joke was, like, the topical joke at the time, and that was, like, a whole bit about gun control. And I'm like, that's funny. And here's the, you wouldn't have had that a couple weeks ago if there wasn't, like, another big American shooting or everything. You wouldn't have been able to draw on that. The joy of South Park and its power and its majesty is the fact that they have, like, a two-week turnaround rate. Yeah. So they can make the show and tailor fit it. To what's going on in the world at the time and you can't really do that when you're trying to wrap up your own storylines and trying to do your own through line yeah that's true it also means you end up repeating a lot of the same jokes over and over again where it's like okay this was funny when you did it the first time it's less funny when you keep bringing it back out right now. yeah now that's that is a that is a problem that south park has but uh oh shit it came out it comes out today oh holy crap we gotta watch that then yeah i'm getting a Gotta, getting a landline get. phone call. For you kids out there, uh, phone calls used to come through a phone line. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. You don't say. Used to be your internet came through there, too, and if you picked up the phone, you'd get knocked off. Yeah, you'd ruin everything. I'm trying to talk to girls. None of them are girls. <laughs> Click. <laughs> but, uh, uh, good hey, job. thanks for watching this episode of Elseworlds Exchange, everybody. Joel, what's happening in Cape Joel? They can all look forward to checking out. Uh, well, if you head on over to my channel right now, you can catch the newest episode of the Comic Multiverse. We tackle a lot of the news of the day, talk about what we're reading, and we even uh, do a little fan Q&A. Nice. Which people seem to like, which was good. Also, I'll have my review of All-Star Batman number two coming out later today. It's some pretty cool shit. Yeah. Lots of good stuff going on there. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. John Romita's art's real pretty. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that colorist, man. Actually, I was going to say, pretty is not the right word. It's awesome and gritty and visceral. Mm. I would say uh, it's, the, it's the opposite of pretty, but that's what's cool about it. Are they changing uh, artists? I don't know. I don't think they I are. There were, I thought, like, arcs were going to have different artists. Oh, that's, that might be likely. They might mm. do that. Good. I hope they don't change it for now, because it's great. Yeah, it's going really good. Some good, good stuff. Also, Detective Comics. I'm sure you didn't read that either. Man, was that an ending. Oh, yeah! That was great. No, it was it was a pretty book. It was a fun book. It was everything I expected and then not. Yes, absolutely. I, I appreciated the not, especially after uh, you all kind of made fun of me on the poll last week. <laughs> but I'm just like, nah, see, I don't think if they were going to kill him off, they'd have made a bigger deal about it, everyone, like, as they always do in comics. Yeah, I, you know what it was? They were just they were playing it up. They were they were they were playing with our expectations. Played them real uh, good. Played them like a fiddle, like a fiddle. We were all played. <laughs> damn it, Tynan, you played us. Yeah, damn you. But also, good job. Yeah, no, he did a nice job. I, I'm he's he's becoming a favorite of mine uh, for yeah. Batman. But uh, yeah, well, over here on Comic Pop uh, tonight, we'll be releasing our episode of Back Issues, where Tiffany leads us on a discussion of The Runaways by Brian K. Vaughn. Ooh. It's gonna be great and a lot of fun. It's a really terrific episode, and turns out it is our longest episode yet. So, oh wow, by a few minutes. So. Fitting as uh, there was that news there of the TV show possibly becoming. Yes, the Hulu show. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm not convinced about internet-based shows. Like I, I, Netflix has proven it, but like has Amazon? No, has. Uh, and that's uh, man. I saw that Tick pilot. I didn't. It's fine, but, <laughs> but the Tick is not good.
like at all. A glowing recommendation from Sal from Comic Pop. Yeah. It's fine, but the tick is not good. The tick is not good. I like the idea they're going with. They're like updating it a little bit. It's interesting, but like the the guy they got to play the tick is Pete from uh from Shaun of the Dead. Oh. And he's doing oh. like an Adam West impression. He good chum. Yeah, and like that's not what the tick is. The tick is not a, an Adam West parody, but whatever. All right. And it was, and at the end, it was like, "Do you want to see more of this? Vote to." I'm like, "You don't want me to vote for you. <laughs> you don't want. No one wants this." Yeah. So uh, yeah. Well, anyway, thanks a lot for watching and listening, and we'll see you guys next week with another episode of Elseworlds Exchange. And don't forget to check out Cape Joel in the comments or in the description box below this video, and let us know what is the best movie sequel of all time. We'd like mm, to. I know imagine in there's the ones comments. we didn't even get a chance to talk about. No doubt. So let us know. Don't doesn't matter if it's mentioned in this episode or not, but what is the best movie sequel of all time? And, and don't join forget, us again when we do superhero movie sequels, which is an episode entirely of itself. We will. We actually wound up doing a uh, like abandoned superhero movie sequels episode before we actually did a superhero movie sequels episode. So. What are the odds, yeah. man? So check it out. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot for watching. Bye. <laughs>